The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Foreign-born people in the U.S. are less likely to live in owner-occupied homes than their U.S.-born peers. And those that do own their own homes are more are likely to pay more for it. So why is this happening and wh- how do we level the playing field? I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Jacob Chanel. He's a senior uh, economic analyst for LendingTree. Jake, thanks for joining me. Yep. Thanks for having me. So, Jake, you authored the study that that got those findings that I just referenced. Uh, how bad is the gap? What are we talking about here? Well, so I think that the first thing to do is just sort of highlight the fact that foreign-born homeowners, which is what we look at, is a very, very broad group and includes a lot of different people who come from very, very different financial backgrounds. So generally speaking, when we're looking at the very, very big picture here, what we find is that, for example, somebody who is born outside of the United States, uh, they, an average of them, uh, live an average of 55.2% of them live in owner occupied homes. Uh, that's compared to 64.46% of people who were born inside of the country. Uh, in terms of spending 30% or more of their income, their monthly income on housing costs, which we define as housing cost burden, uh, the number for people born outside of the country is 26.84%. For those born within the country, it's 21.6%. Five percent. So there are some pretty notable gaps there. Uh, But with that said, because there is a lot of nuance in terms of who foreign-born homeowners are, uh, you might find that there are still some instances where somebody born outside of the country is actually having an easier time affording a house than maybe their neighbor who was born within the country. So there is a lot of nuance at play here. And and part of the nuance, we can get into some of those points that you said. But you know, thinking about my own situation, my wife is. Uh, born in another country and and came here and is now a citizen. So I'm sure those numbers include that, right? These aren't just families of couples who are from another country. They could include somebody who's married to a citizen. Yes, exactly. Uh, So, you know, the census broadly defines foreign born people to include people who are naturalized U.S. citizens, uh, people who are lawful permanent residents. Sorry about that, Marie. Has decided to make every single noise imaginable. <laughs> um, so people who are uh, lawful, people who are naturalized citizens, people who are lawful permanent residents, temporary migrants, uh, students, unauthorized migrants, people like refugees as well. So yes, there can be some instances where not only are the people who comprise a household, maybe they're both born outside of the United States, but they come from very different situations. It could also be instances where there is someone who is born within the United States, uh, who is perhaps married to someone or lives with somebody who is born outside of the country. 
And and to get into some of the nuance, because you even referenced in your study that people would assume foreign-born uh, Americans or are, are foreign-born people here in the U.S., immigrants in the U.S., are driving up the price because they assume people are coming here for good jobs. Talk to me a little bit about the nuance and why, in some cases, immigrants might have advantages, but but certainly we still see overall that there's this gap. Yeah, so certainly there can be instances where there are advantages. For example, if you're coming to the United States and you're bringing with you an advanced degree or some sort of specialized skill that allows you to enter into the U.S. jobs market with a higher paying job, then you might be able to give yourself an advantage over some people who were born here. And that certainly does happen. And there, beyond that, there are instances where somebody may be born outside of the country, just decides that it's safer to invest their money in the United States real estate market, for example. So they buy a house here because where they're from, they just don't think it's going to be as good an investment. Maybe it's not as safe. Maybe they just prefer living in the United States for whatever reason. But you know, there, there are a lot of instances where that is not the case. And certainly, I don't think that there is enough evidence to suggest that, broadly speaking, People born outside of the United States have a disproportionate impact on the U.S. housing market. Um, so, for example, while there might be instances where somebody can come over to the United States and get a high-paying job, or somebody can come over here and invest in a home and maybe spend more money on it than, than some people born in the country would, uh, there are plenty of other instances where people come over here and they get lower-paying jobs. This is often the case for those who are, you know, what the census would refer to as unauthorized uh, migrants. So. You know, it's very important that we not allow kind of the nuance to be lost and that we just start pointing fingers at people who in some cases can be marginalized members of societies. And as our study points out, can in some point, in some instances actually struggle a little bit more to keep up with things like housing costs than some people born in the U.S. would. Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. OriginatorConnect.com. And as you're looking at the data, are you able to see any trends or any reasons why this is happening and why there's this gap? So I think that it depends a lot on where specifically we're looking. Uh, the United States is obviously a big country. And this study is focused primarily on the nation's 50 largest metropolitan areas. And there can be a lot of diversity between those areas. So for example, you might have a city like New York, a metropolitan area like New York, uh, which, which has a very big immigrant population, has a pretty robust economy. Uh, and then you might end up going to say another part of the country, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, for example, or Birmingham, Alabama, that has a smaller immigrant population, perhaps the economy is not quite as robust. Uh, so that can be you know, behind some of the trends on the individual level or on the metro level in terms of what kind of jobs are being offered, what kind of people tend to be attracted to these areas. I think broadly speaking, insofar as why this gap exists, I think it probably does have a lot to do with the fact that there are a lot of immigrants to this country, a lot of people who come to this country who, who can end up in situations where they aren't able to find particularly good employment, where they do have to accept a lower wage, or where they maybe will have to accept less than ideal housing situations because they don't really have any alternatives. So I do think that that can be one of the reasons, broadly speaking, why there might be some of these gaps. Were you surprised by your findings? I mean, certainly some of the issues that you pointed out, you might be aware of going into the study, but were you surprised 
at all or even at the size uh, of the gap? So I think generally speaking, the, the, the results of the study kind of fell where I thought that they would. Um, you know, there, there is a gap. Uh, it's perhaps not gargantuan, which, which is a good thing, certainly. Uh, and there is a lot of nuance in terms of, you know, I keep saying the word nuance because it really does apply here. Uh, but there is a lot of differences between kind of when you break down, you know, where does the person come from or why are they in the United States? So generally speaking, I do think that the, the, the findings of the study make sense. With that said, you know, I live in New York City. Uh, there is a lot of discussion here and a lot of, I think, finger pointing toward people born outside of the United States saying like, oh, they're responsible for home prices to be this high. So I do think that some people might read this. And I think it's important to point out that, you know, the reality is, is that's probably not the case. You know, in each of the nation's 50 largest metropolitan areas, people born within the country are more likely to be homeowners. They're buying more homes. They make up bigger parts of the population. So they probably have a, a bigger influence on an area's overall housing market than the smaller share of people born outside of the country. So while that wasn't something that was necessarily super surprising to me, I do think that, that perhaps for some people, it could end up being kind of like, oh, I didn't think about it like this. And it does go to show why you should, especially when, when fingers are being pointed, you should always look for a little bit more details to determine whether or not the finger pointing is really justified. And, and how do we fix this gap? And, and our audience is more so mortgage originators. I know in your study, you, you gave some tips on, on what uh, immigrants can do in terms of shopping for mortgages and understanding the process. But are there things that, that lenders can do to help people get to the goal of home ownership? Sure. You know, I think that one of the, the things that is really important to do is to do outreach and to, to make sure that you're looking in areas that perhaps are, are more popular among immigrants. You know, individual uh, communities, neighborhoods, even broader cities, where perhaps you don't always initially think, oh, here's where I should look to find customers. Very often, uh, what the case is, is that you can find people born outside of the United States who are very, very good about paying back their loan, who have great credit profiles, good credit scores, good incomes. They don't miss payments. You just have to look for it. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where Historically speaking, in this country, we, we do have inequality in terms of not only who we lend to, but where we lend. And I think sometimes the best first step is to just start looking in neighborhoods that are perhaps underserved or among groups of people that are perhaps underserved and, and being willing to engage with those people because often you'll find that you can, you can receive really, really great benefits from them and you can also help them achieve you know, the great benefit of owning a home. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. Here's the rest of your headlines for May 25th. Interest rates dropped this week, but it wasn't enough to boost mortgage writing. Apps fell for the second straight week. Refis continue to tumble and are now down 75% from last year. More than $31 billion was invested in real estate technology companies in 2021, and industry experts think that will only increase this year. And finally, Sunbelt cities remain hotspots for home buyers, even though prices continue to soar. A new report from Redfin found that Miami, Phoenix, and Tampa were the top three destinations for people leaving New York City and Los Angeles. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. 
All episodes are produced by T.G. Cotemporor and Matthew Mullins. Mike Savino is head of multimedia and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review so that others can find it. Thanks for listening. Thank you.